Welcome to A Pastor's Perspective. Now life is full of heartache, struggle, and pain, but the way we see it, we overcome because He overcame. We are to always pray. And everything that we do, we do it in Jesus' name. Now, a pastor is a shepherd. He's not selfish. He's friendly. He's a helper. A pastor is a teacher. Faithful. Sensible. He's much more than just a preacher. A leader. Well-respected. And this, well, this, my friends, is a pastor's perspective. everybody welcome 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 i'm glad so many of you are jumping on uh trying to work out a few kinks tonight uh with the technology you know how it goes so it's just what it is but let's jump on in god bless you i hope i am coming through loud and clear let's see here let's do a little bit more adjustment oh yeah i hope you guys can hear me just fine me know in the comments section if I'm not coming in or if I'm not coming through clearly. Amen. Hopefully I am. Bear with me just one more moment and we're going to jump on in and get started. I'm super excited about tonight. I'm excited with what I'm going to be talking and sharing with you guys tonight. I believe that it certainly is going to be a blessing. Thank you, Ellen. I appreciate that. God bless you. If you are on the KWCI, the King's Worship Center page, if you would do me a favor, go ahead and share this out. Amen. If you're on my personal page, Kelvin Steele, thank you for joining. Stay tuned with me as we get situated. If you are on YouTube, go ahead and put some comments in the inbox. Listen, uh, if anybody's out there on Remind, go ahead and send it out to our church family. Let them know Pastor is on. And we're going to get ready to jump on in tonight. Get ready to go ahead and jump on in tonight. So I wanted to talk tonight uh, for a little while just from the thought what are we missing? What are we missing? <clears throat> Growing up, I had a really, I would think overall, a really good childhood. Um, I had the best of both worlds growing up. Um, saw some good, saw some bad, more good than bad. Um, I had parents that tried their best to teach me and show me what's right, amen didn't always follow, didn't always listen, but they did their best. God bless everybody. Thank you for coming in. I'm going to put my phone down. So if I don't see all of your comments, I do apologize. I really, really want to stay focused on tonight. Amen. Uh, they did their very best to teach me, to show me, to help me, to train me. And there were just some times, despite all of the teaching and all of the training, I just decided not to listen. I just decided not to listen. There are mistakes that I made, there were choices that I made, and it's no reflection on the training or the teaching that my parents tried to instill in me. Amen, God bless you, that they tried to instill in me. I just made decisions uh, after a certain age to do right or do wrong. and. With so much going on right now, we have the, the shooting in Texas. I was doing some digging just a little while ago, uh, last night actually, and I was looking at how many 
murders had been happening in some neighboring cities from the ages of birth actually to 21. And the numbers are staggering. And driving home today, I begin to ask myself, what is it that we are missing? Uh, because I know we will be very quick, God bless you, thank you for joining us on tonight. Uh, we'll be very quick to blame the children. We'll say things like, you know, uh, these children are worse than they've ever been. These children are so bad. But here is my thing. God bless you, YouTube family. These are our children. These are our children. So what is it that's going on with them? Because children are a product of whatever home they're brought up in. Wouldn't you all agree they're a, pro they're, they're a product of whatever home? home they're brought up and you all I'm sorry I'm going to shut this phone down so I can stay focused on you guys in just one moment and so when we look at everything that's going on and when children act out or when children do the opposite of what we expect for them to do we look for someone to blame we look for someone to hold accountable we look for someone to say well if the parent had done what they were supposed to do then maybe this would not have happened I would like to say to you today, as we go through in America right now, this mourning period, this grieving period of all the lives that were lost at this elementary school, as we deal uh, with this pandemic of murders that we are seeing amongst our young people, we're seeing it, it, we're hearing it in our music, we're seeing it more over in our movies. And yeah, I grew up with a lot of, you know, the, the Godfather and New Jack City and all of these other things. And we saw what were the exceptions, amen. We saw some of those exceptions, but now the level of violence, the level of vitriol, the level of hatred, the level of anger, the level of wrath that we're seeing coming out of our children, it's staggering. Who would ever think that there would be such wickedness in the earth? Not, you know, someone will say, well, the Bible says these things. Amen. But let's be practical for a moment. Did we ever think we would live in a time where a teenager or a young adult would go and just slaughter children and not this not be the first time? And it's almost becoming part of the fabric of our culture. Could you imagine a time where we have become so desensitized to murders happening in some of our inner cities between young people who are in different factions of gangs or whatever that they, 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 they're just assassinating each other. Listen, and they make songs about it. Come on, somebody. And it just seems like it's commonplace. Y'all talk to me out there. Could you ever imagine, those of us with teenagers, with kids, with children, uh, could you have a imagined a day where we are seeing what we see on the news. I can recall, you know, making some decisions in my life that I am ashamed of now that I'm older, right? Things that my father, my mother uh, would have said, son, don't do. And I thank God because there I even had friends in my life. I didn't have a lot. I had friends in my circle that would, you know, we would wild out together. But there was something even in them that would say, okay, we have reached a limit to how far we need to go with what it is we are doing. 
I even had friends that would say, Kelvin, you know that's not what your mama and daddy would want you to do. And we're out there cutting up. I had family that would say, all right, uh, you know what your mama would say, you know what your daddy would say, and it would trigger something in me and it would also trigger something in them. Hear the context here, that even while we were in the midst of doing foolish, some would say youthful foolishness, some would say sinful, however you want to phrase it, that while we were in the middle of doing certain things that our families would not approve of, certainly God would not approve of, there was still something on the inside of us that says, you know what, there is a limit. And I'm looking at today and I'm looking at everything that's going on and I have to ask myself, what is it that we are missing between our families, between our children, between mothers and fathers, that the youth are, because these are our children, right? Uh, these are our children. They're not children from Mars. They're not some strange breed. These are our children. What is it that we, God bless you. Thank you for joining. I see you. Uh, what are we missing that allows our kids to go to such a degree of wickedness without any type of hesitation? Or is it that we as parents, as a community, are so engaged in other things that we are missing what it is our family needs? Come on, somebody, talk to me out there. It's concerning to me, I, you know, and let's be honest, let's be honest. Those of us that are in the church, we're saved now, we're preachers now, we're deacons now, we're mothers now, we're for all of those things. If we were to really tell our testimony, many of us were drunkards, many of us smoked marijuana, many of us cursed, many of us fought, many of us carried pistols, many of us have been locked down, many of us have been in situations that we know is not what our family raised us to be. It's not what God would have wanted us to be. But there was always something that stopped us from going forward further than we should. I hope that makes sense. There was always something there. And before we get into blaming the devil for everything, and yes, he is, yes, the devil is real. Yes, he has influence. Yes, he can tempt. Yes, he can test. Yes, he can try. But at the end of the day, the Lord Jesus told us, I have already overcome the world. He said, listen, little children, you got a whole lot of things going on around you, but look at what the word says, but greater is he that is within you. So no matter what the devil tries, because those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we have authority in his name to overcome the devil. So there has to be something else that we are missing. Come on, somebody, talk to me out there. There has to be something else that we are missing. And I would, I'm going to get into the Bible in just a moment. I'm just working the introduction and I'm enjoying myself because it's, it's, it's challenging me. And I would like to submit to all of you out there today, don't drop off, don't find something else to do. Stick with me through the duration of this. Share this on your timeline because this discussion needs to be had. There's something that is preventing us from seeing and hearing what it is our children are missing. Come on now. I grew up in a two-parent home. I grew up in a house where both my parents worked. I grew up in a home where my father worked the third shift, my mother worked the day shift. I worked, uh, I was a latchkey kid. I had all of these other things. Uh, we, had, we had neighbors across the street when I was too young to stay by myself that would come get me. So I had all of those experiences, but there were still things that were instilled in me. One of the things that differentiates 
uh, generations is the unity in the community. Can I say that again? There was unity in the community. So I grew up in a certain area in South Carolina, and even though some may uh, say that area would be considered rough, it was still my community. I had, and you guys may not know these people, I had my neighbors, we knew them intimately. Uh, Mr. Henry, and we could go to Mr. Henry, he taught me how to tie a tie. He and his wife looked out for me when I was getting off the bus at school. We had the church that was down the street, and many of the deacons and the trustees and all of those people were within about five minutes to 10 minutes from the church or five to 10 minutes from my home. And so I had Miss Rice across the street. We had the neighbors across the street that knew my family intimately. We had the millings that were down the street. We had the neighborhood store. We had the good ones. We had people that knew us intimately and they could say, Kelvin, what are you doing? And my parents, and they had no problem reaching out to my parents and communicating, hey, this is what's going on. And I would like to say, despite how busy our parents were, there were still community parents that ensured there was a level of security in our neighborhoods and in our communities that looked out for our children. So in 2022 and 2021, 2019, 2018, what is it that we are missing? Because these children are our children. The first thing I want to say is that we often, and many of us that have kids, because everyone now has, it seems like everyone has a child, but this is what I want you to understand. We must first understand what a child is. If you have your Bible, and if anyone is online from the ministry tonight, I need you to type this in the comments for me. Psalm 127, verse three. Psalm 127, verse three. Again, thank you all for coming in the room. Let me know that you're there. Continue to give me some hearts, likes, share, comment. Please engage me tonight. Amen. Psalm 127, verse three. Please excuse me as I'm using a brand new Bible tonight. So it's taking me a moment to get there. Psalm 127, verse three. I want to deal tonight with about three to five things when it comes to our children, because we can criticize the parents. We can call these children bad. We can say they just weren't raised right. But at the end of the day, these are our children. And when we talk about unity in the community, when we talk about having children, we need to understand what they are for us and to us. But we also must be unified in our thought when it comes to children. Does that make sense? Because we're going to continue, and I hate to say it, and I say this with extreme sensitivity to these parents that have lost children recently. I say this with extreme sensitivity to parents that are losing children on a daily basis, and it's not being televised, and it's in our communities that we've just grown accustomed to hearing about violence, and these children are being murdered every day too. And I would like to say, if you look at Psalms 127 verse 3, you'll get a, a clear understanding of what a child is. Let, let's look at this. A 127 verse 3 in the book of Psalm. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Your version may say a blessing. This version says, behold, children are a gift. The first thing I want to highlight as you're with me tonight is that we must remember that children are a gift. 
They're not a curse. They're not a problem. They're not a mistake. They're not a mishap. They're not something that you wish you would have thought twice of. Listen, whatever decisions you made when you when the child was conceived, that child itself, he or her, is still a gift from God, irregardless of the condition in which they are conceived. They are still a gift. Look at what it says. Psalm uh, 127, verse three. He says, look, your children are a gift of the Lord. And he says, the fruit of the womb is a reward. So now when we look at husband and wife coming together to make a child, they are a gift. When we understand that children are a gift, we will handle them differently. When someone gives you something that is precious, that's just for you, that's designed for you, that was a, de a desire, excuse me, of your heart, you handle that gift with care. You nurture it. You take care of it. You let the world know this is something that is important to me. I, I hate to make it make this common. Thank you all for coming in the room. Stay tuned. If you're in, do me a huge honor and share if you're on Facebook. If you're on YouTube, continue to comment. God bless you on the church app tonight. Uh, someone gave me something. They gifted me something. Uh, something that I really wanted. They had it. I didn't covet it, but I really liked it. And and they blessed me with it. They said, you know what? I'm going to bless you with this. It was a gift from them to me. And I had it and I was somewhere and someone saw it and they really admired what I had. And they said, let me have it. I need it. I want it. Can you give that to me? Immediately, uh, my spirit changed and I became extremely resistant and protective over what I had because it was a gift that I desired. Come on, that the Lord knew I wanted, that the individual knew that I wanted and God touched their heart and they gave me something that was a gift that I really wanted. And I wouldn't allow anyone else to take my gift. Come on, conversely, I treat that gift as if it's important to me because it's something that I desire regardless to how I got it. Come on, come on, y'all talk to me out there. That's blessing you. It's a gift to me. It's important to me, regardless to how I got it. And we, you know, Pastor Kelvin, that's who I am. I'm going to jump in and just be very courageous in what I say. We don't look at children from birth, from conception to birth as a gift and as a reward. We look at children now as just something that is a byproduct of our sexual activities. Maybe we intended them to get here. Maybe we didn't. And a lot of people don't understand from conception to birth, whatever emotions that that mother may have or that that parent has, come on, it is transferred to that child. If you don't believe that child while in the womb can feel if they are wanted, if they are loved, if they are desired, they will come out and they will demonstrate that in how they are because they feel what's happening while they're in the womb. And so from conception on, you have to look at a child in the womb as a gift from the Lord. Now, this topic here could go left if I'm not careful. 
but I'm dealing right now with the children that are coming and the children that are here. The Bible says they are a gift. It's not about what you think. It's not about how you feel. It's, it, it's not even about what you intended to happen. A child is a gift. The Bible says in that same verse, the fruit of the womb is a reward. How many of you that have children, godchildren, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, extended children, look at them as a gift from God? Come on. We get together as men and women, as husbands and wives, and we procreate a male coming together with a female making a baby. But we don't create anything. God is the creator and he has enabled us by coming together as a union to get a gift of a child. Come on somebody. And when we begin to take care of our children like a gift, they will begin to respond as such. Come on. From conception unto death, I want you all to listen to me very clearly. Your children need to know some things. And I'm going to give you a couple things that they need to know. The first thing your children need to know, I need you, if you're still online with me, someone from the ministry, uh, type in the comments for me, Psalm 139, Psalm 139, Psalm 139. There are some things that your children need to know, and it is your, it is your responsibility to make sure they feel it while they're in the womb and they know it once they exit the womb. The first thing I want them to, I want you to realize when we're dealing with children, once again, these kids are not Martians. Kids are not any worse. If children are behaving unseemingly, we have to look at the source from which they came. So before we blame the children out, once again, let's go back. They'll get to an age where they make decisions on their own. Come on. And they can be raised in a great home with a loving family and still make decisions that are contrary. I'm going to get to that towards the end of the lesson tonight. But when we're talking about some of the things that we are seeing, a lot of our children are exercising uh, and demonstrating a spirit that they have gotten from the homes in which they come from. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Psalm 139. Let me get there with you. Psalm 139, verse 13. The first thing I want you to make sure your children always know, according to the Bible, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your child needs to know they are, you know, in no uncertain terms, you're not an accident. I may not be with your mother. I may not be with your father. But listen, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's belly. If you really pause, I feel the spirit of God right there. If you really pause and think about that for a second, that's beautiful writing. He says here, the writer is saying you formed my inward parts and you knitted me. Your, your version may say you knitted me in my mother's womb. Here, the writer is teaching and saying how intricately they were put together. Come on, somebody. How intricately they were put together. The detail that went into them being here. And we've got to realize and understand if I freeze, I'm going to switch over and the view may change just a little bit. But y'all stay with me. They need to know that they have detail, that they are 
formed that they were formed by the hand of God. They couldn't be an accident because God wove them together. He knitted them together from the day their dad and their mom got together. There was something special about them. How many of your children know how special they are? My son, when he was younger, when he was small, uh, you know, I was a little concerned because he was quiet. He did a lot of observing and I was really concerned about him. And my dad looked at me and he said, leave him alone. He's going to be just fine. And so one of the things I would do over the years as he got older, as he would do things, I would say, you know, you're a smart boy, right? And he would say, I am. I said, yes, you are. I said, do you know why? He would go, why? I said, because God made you that way. When he would excel in different things, I would tell him, do you know why? I said, because God made you that way. And what I was trying to instill in him and my daughter is that, you know what? You are special. You have a plan for your life. You have a purpose for your life. You're not garbage. You, no one is better than you. Doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Because of who you are, there are details in you that are just you, that no one else can duplicate, that no one else can replicate. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's keep reading. He says in verse 14 of Psalm 139, I will give thanks to you. For listen to this, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to how the author celebrates the creator for his life. He says, wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Mighty are the works of your hand. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You knitted me together, together, excuse me, carefully while I was in my mother's womb. Your hands, the works of your hands are wonderful. Verse 15 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Come on. The author is saying, listen, from the darkness up until now, God, you already had formed me in your mind with such detail. I'm not talking about raising our children to be arrogant, but I am saying when a child knows they have value, they carry themselves differently. They behave differently. They think differently. Now, a child is still going to be a child, but when they know who they are, Come on, somebody. When they know God has developed them, God has cultivated them, God has made them, they respond differently, they think differently, they carry themselves differently, they have a different mindset. When a child understands and is brought up knowing that they have value because they are fearfully and wonderfully made because God knew them from the beginning, it, it makes it harder for you to want to destroy yourself and destroy somebody else. Lord, I wish I could help the people. Help me, Holy Ghost. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Point number two that I want to give you out of this, out of this. They were wanted by God. Come on, somebody. I need you to understand that they were wanted by God. And because they are wanted by God, God chose you as the parent to receive that blessing of a child. Because they are always wanted by God, as the parent, you are blessed because God allowed you to have the fruit 
as a reward? Do you see your children as a reward? Do you see your children as a gift? Do you see your children as something that God has given you to cherish, to nourish, to develop, to cultivate, to teach and to train? Or do you see them as somebody you should just leave at home while you go out? Come on, somebody. Do you see them as something that prevents you from going to the club? Do you see them as something that holds you up from having another girlfriend, having another boyfriend? Yep, you didn't see that coming because children see, uh, uh, will respond based on how we treat them, based on our nonverbal and our verbal cues. If they don't feel cherished and nourished, if they feel like an afterthought, if they feel like there's something that's always in the way or something that's more important than them, because if they're a gift from God, you treat a gift from God a certain way. When you don't see them as a gift from God, you'll see them uh, grow up angry and bitter. You'll hear it in their music about murder. You, you hear them calling themselves demons. Come on, somebody. When the Bible just said they are fearfully and wonderfully made when the Bible says they are handcrafted when the Bible says they were created and man was created in the image and the likeness of God when we don't cultivate who they are by scripture they will see themselves as savages come on somebody they'll they, they'll see themselves as demons they will see themselves as murderers they will see themselves as inconveniences they will see themselves as not having a a purpose and suicide and oppression and depression and anxiety and rejection will come on y'all you need to share this you need to get this out will become what they feel and who they are have we not noticed in the past uh, in the past probably 15 years how many of our young people, our children battle anxiety? They're battling depression. Come on. We had the similar challenges. The things that we didn't have was social media. And you know what? That, that can be a double-edged sword. But we had some of the same challenges. But it's impacting them to the degree that they don't have self-esteem. They don't have something to pull on. There are no neighbors. Let's talk about unity in the community. There are no neighbors that are looking out out because it's me and mine. It's about chasing the bag. It's about being a boss bee. It's about being the best on the job. And while we're doing these things, our children are left behind not realizing that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They're not seeing that they have a purpose. Come on, somebody. They don't know that they are a gift from God. They don't know that they are a reward from God to us because we are not there long enough to instill that in them. I tried, I tried as a career parent and I look back now that my children are older and I see so many times where I failed because I made wanting to be the best on my job the priority versus ensuring I was the best father I could be. Yeah, I tried to make time count, but as you go on chasing your career and you get all these plaques and all these awards, do you really think your child cares? Come on. The time that you spend with the gift 
that God has given you could be the time that is necessary that when tough times come to them, they have the word of God and the love that you've given them to prevent them from going out and committing mass murders, from committing suicide, from doing things that could hurt them. And I hope these, I know these are buzz, buzzwords on social media platform, but there's no other way to describe them. It will cause them to think twice about what it is they may be feeling because we have instilled into them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, y'all talk to me out there on YouTube. Talk to me out there on Facebook. Let me know that you're there. Don't, don't just be tuned in. Communicate with me and let me know this is making sense to you. It is our responsibility as parents to ensure our children know who they are in God. There is a lot in a name. What do you call your children? Are you calling them stupid? Are you calling them dumb? Come on, somebody. Are you allowing a young thugger to be their influence? Are you in allowing Vaughn to be their influence? Are you allowing Kodak Black to be their influence? Come on, somebody. Are you allowing Cardi B to be their influence? Are you allowing some of these older rappers that we grew up with and entertainers to be their influence? And a lot of these entertainers will abdicate the responsibility of the content that they are feeding our children and say it's your responsibility as a parent, but no, it is my responsibility, but it's also your responsibility to make sure the content that you're putting out is not poison to the eyes and the ears, the gates of my seed, come on, to poison them against who they are. And the sad part is most of our children now aren't raised in a similar relationship with God like most of you are were. And so when we were growing up and we listened to Two Live Crew, when we listened to the Ghetto Boys, when we listened to Scarface, when we listened to NWA, when we snuck and went to these clubs and we snuck and listened to all of these music, there was a God and Christ DNA in us that hindered a lot of the things that we could have done because we had that God in us that rose up and said, don't do that. When we raise our children without God, with the absence of God, without the nurture and admonition of God, without the presence of a parent, what they hear and what they see become the dominant voices in their life. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I remember growing up. Y'all are quiet out there, but it's okay. I'm going to teach it anyhow. I remember growing up, one of my friends, Menace to Society had just come out. We, we were watching Menace to Society. We were watching New Jack City. And isn't it crazy? We wanted to be like Nino Brown. We wanted to be like Tony Montana. Come on, somebody. And one of my friends said, nah, I can't watch that because it makes me want to go out and rob people. There was a scene in that movie, uh, Administer Society, where the, where the guy had just uh, gotten a stolen car and he wanted some rims for his car. And he said, I, I got to catch somebody slipping. So he rolled up to a fast food restaurant and jacked somebody, stole from them what they had worked for. And my friends would say, when I watch that, it motivates me to want to go do the same thing and for us to deny the fact that what our kids are seeing and hearing doesn't have influence to what they're doing you are deceiving yourself 
Come on, somebody. The first thing you have to do is pour into them who they are. When they know they are created in the image and likeness of God, when they know they are fearfully and wonderfully made, when they know they are knitted together carefully by God, when they know they were on the mind of God before mom and dad even got together, these things make it harder for them to destroy themselves or somebody else. I'm not telling you the temptation won't come, but you've got to give them something to battle the temptation. And parents, guardians, grandparents, community leaders, you can protest and blame the gun dealerships, the gun manufacturers, whatever you want to blame. But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility as parents and as a community, as a church family, as a church community to instill the core values that the Bible says are necessary while raising a child. And the first step is ensuring that you know they are a gift and that they know they are a reward. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Does your child know that they are a reward? Does your child know they are a gift? Do you treat your children? Do you raise your children? Do you talk to your children like they are a gift and a reward? Uh, come on, somebody, we can take it back. Do you treat them that as according to Psalm 127, verse three, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Doesn't matter how you got them. Doesn't matter that you and your baby daddy don't get along. Doesn't matter that you and your baby mama don't get along. That child is a gift. They are a consequence of the activities that you chose. It's not their fault that they got here and they should not be treated as a issue because they got here based on our activities. Regardless of how they got here, they are still a gift because they are a life from God for us to nurture and cultivate and develop to release back into the world. Come on, to make this world better. Y'all come on, talk to me out there. They have got to know who they are. They've got to know who they are. And you know, we can say, can I get churchy for a moment? Can I get churchy for a moment? We can say all that we want to that church, 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 church. And a lot of us grew up in church and now we're 40, late 30s, late 40s into our 50s. And I'm not making my child go to church. They don't have to do all of that. But quiet is kept. Quiet is kept. A lot of the dope boys I grew up with on Easter, they were in church. Uh, at those Christmas services, they were in church. On certain events, they were at church. Come on, vacation Bible school, they were at church. I'm talking about the boys that still went out dealing dope, the same boys that carried pistols. But guess what? Even though they were doing wrong, they had a fear of God in them. And there was a level of respect that they had for the eldership. There was a level of respect that they had for other children. There was a level of respect that they carried even in the midst I know of doing wrong they still had a reverence because something was still poured into them we don't want to pour anything into them we want to tell them be spiritual without any connection or fellowship with the church and the church sometimes is a net most times is a necessary ingredient to instill certain things that maybe you don't even know 
Y'all quiet out there. Y'all are quiet out there on tonight. It, it, is my mic dead? We have got to ensure that our children, I can't get off this point, that our children know how important they are, Elder Brandon. Our children have to know how important they are, user that just came on. They, they have to know YouTube viewers. They have to know church app viewers. They have to know Twitter viewers that they are a gift and they are a reward. That is your responsibility, not the government's responsibility, not anyone else. It is your responsibility to ensure your children know they are a gift or reward. It is your responsibility to know that they are wanted by God and that you were blessed because God gave them to you. Come on, can I prove that by scripture? The Bible says in one Psalm 127 verse 3, a bee calls the fruit of the womb is a reward. Come on, verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Children are a benefit when, you, when they're young and children will be a bigger benefit when you get old. And many of us, the way we treat our children now, I would be afraid to get old. Y'all are quiet out there. I, I, Y'all are quiet out there because we have made uh, uh, jobs more important. We have made boyfriends and girlfriends more important. We have made, come on, and can I deal with jobs for a second? All you're going to get once you leave that job is a plaque and a child that's bitter because you weren't home. We can give them bigger houses. We can give them nicer equipment. But if it's one thing I've learned over 22 years of raising my children, they could have lived in a smaller home. They could have had less amenities. But what they valued the most was when we were together as a family, when we would have a family fun night, when we would go do things together. They may look act a little sour now, but I know that they appreciate that time together. Come on. And we've got to make sure they know they are a priority. When a child knows there's someone that cares about them, that someone loves them, that they are prioritized. Come on, can I mess with somebody for a second? If you get offended, it's still the truth and know that I love you. If you are a single father or a single mother and you are making a boyfriend more important than your child, you are out of order. If you are a single dad raising your child and you are making a girlfriend, your physical needs more important than being there for your child, you're out of order. Some may say, well, shouldn't I be happy? Yes, you should be happy with the fruit of your womb. You should be happy with the responsibility. I'm not saying dating is out of the question. I'm not saying having relationships that should lead to marriages out of the question, but you need to prioritize. I hear so often so many parents or so many people with kids that say, it's about me. I need my time. I need my life. I need this. I need that. Well, baby, you forfeited that when you had a child. Your child becomes the priority and we sacrifice for the betterment of our child. What does it matter if you get to have two and three boyfriends, two or three girlfriends, you become the CEO of your job, your business takes off, but your child is bitter. Your child feels, feels rejected. Your child feels like everything else was more important than them. You trying to prove to the world, I can make it, I can get it, I can drive this, I can have that. But your child doesn't know, Psalm 127.3, that they are a gift. You made your job a gift. You made the bag a gift. 
You've made everything else a gift. You prioritized everything else that's important. And if you don't think that will raise up into that child as a seed of bitterness, you are poorly mistaken. Y'all talk to me out there. Come on, talk to me out there. Children have to know that they were wanted by God and that they are a blessing to you. They have to know that they are fearfully can I say that again? Oh, guys, I got points all day. I'm getting ready to wrap up here. They have to know that they are fearfully. Can I say that again? That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you truly understand that, if we truly understand that as a parent, y'all ready for me? I'm about to go. Then destroying children wouldn't be so easy. Yep, I went there. I went there. I went there. I went there because the Bible says in verse 13 of Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. The writer is telling you how intricately God and the detail God went in into making him. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. Y'all don't want to hear me. Y'all don't want to hear me. It's the truth. It's the truth. Maybe you're an adult now and no one told you that. And so some of the decisions that you have made in life may not have been murderous decisions, but maybe you made decisions based on lack of knowledge, not realizing that you were important in the eyes of God so much to the degree that he knows how many hairs are on your head to the degree that you were knitted together in the womb that he calls us out by scripture, that he wants you to know how fearfully and wonderfully made you were. And knowing that about yourself helps curtail some of the dangerous decisions we have made or will make with our body. When you know who you are and whose you are and the detail that went into who you are, the choices that you make with what you have will be mind and better thought out. Y'all, come on. Y'all need to share this. Y'all need to share this. Get some more people in. When you know whose you are, when you know what went into making you, it's more than mama and daddy getting together. But there were intricate details that God himself went through that went into creating you in the womb. You will make better decisions and choices with your body and you will definitely make better decisions and choices in how you raise your children. Come on, y'all talking, y'all talk to me out there. Talk to me out there. Come on, YouTube, talk to me. Come on, Facebook, talk to me. How we treat, raise, and pour into our children are so is very necessary. I've got somebody on tonight, not gonna call their name. And uh, when I first met their son, I was like, man, this little boy is something else. But the more, I, the more I spent time with this young man, I began to see what his parents were doing. His parents were instilling Psalm 127 into him. They were instilling Psalm 139. So this young man was confident in who he was despite of any, limit, any perceived limitations others may think he had. And so now when you look at this young man, he's confident, he's well-spoken, he's not shy, he doesn't hold his head down, he doesn't walk in trepidation because he knows he's fearfully and wonderfully made despite of any perceived limitations we may think. But when you pour the word of God into a child, just like a seed in the ground that's cultivated correctly, what you plant will come up. Come on, somebody. Y'all need to type that. What you plant will come up. What are you sowing into your children? 
What are we sowing in our ministries into our children? What are we sowing into our children in children's church, Sunday mornings, in vacation Bible school? What are you sowing on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays? Fathers, what are you sowing into your sons and daughters? Mothers, what are you sowing into your sons and daughters? Are you sowing absence? Are you sowing anger? Are you sowing uh, uh, vulgarity? Because now uh, I see it all the time on social media. We curse with our children. Come on, come on. We do things that we would do in other, with other adults in front of our children. And we wonder why they, some of them lack, res lack respect and quiet as kept what your children laugh about with you that they shouldn't be involved in will become a lack of respect for you when they get older. Can I say that again? What you, the things that you do in front of your child that you shouldn't do, that they laugh with you about now, will be a lack of respect for you when they get older. Come on, come on, y'all quiet, y'all quiet. There were things growing up, whether I was with at home, with aunts, with uncles, that when my family got ready to get grown, they sent us away or they sent us outside and they would say, and I don't mean to go old school, I'm sticking with the Bible, that a child needs to stay in a child's place. The child has no place at the spades table with you and your brown liquor discussing whatever it is you're going to do because whatever you sow that's unnatural will become natural for them. Come on, this is why uh, we've sown so much murder in our music, we've sown so much murder in our televisions, in our television programs, we've sown so much violence in these video games. Come on somebody, I wish I could remember the video game I grew up with, uh, where the video game was carjacking and murder and prostitution. I can't remember the name of the video game now, and it was, it's been probably plus 20 years old now. And we see so much of that because it desensitizes us. Come on, isn't it crazy? We're desensitized against basic morality that we as parents are responsible for pouring into our children. And when we continue to allow that to grow and be watered by the culture versus scripture, when we see murder, when we see violence, when we see all of these things, we act astonished. But if you take a moment and sit down, what did you allow that you should have killed early on? What did you play with while they were young that you should have destroyed while they were young? Come on. It seems like they're always depressed. It seems like they're always down. It seems like something's always wrong. Well, did you instill Psalm 139 into them that you were formed of the womb, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Did you instill Psalm 127? Come on, y'all, talk to me out there. Did you instill these things? When we ask ourselves, what's wrong with these kids? Can I challenge us? It's us that's wrong, that's wrong with these children. It's us. Now, when they reach a certain age, they're going to make their own decisions. And when you've done right by your children and you've reared them and you've taught them and you've poured into them and they decide at a certain age of comprehension and understanding right from wrong, that has nothing to do with you. But if you are allowing these things that you know that you have a second guess about 
and you're allowing it into the life of your children, then yeah, we're what's wrong with our children. We're the problem. We're the issue. We don't want, we don't want them to under, we don't want them to be taught of Jesus Christ. We, we say things like we, we need prayer back in school. No, we need prayer in the home. We don't need prayer. Yeah, prayer in school is good, but we need prayer in the house. We need you to pray before violence happens. We need you to teach them how to pray before they get a gun. We need you to pray before their temper gets out of control. Come on. We need you to pray and we need you to raise them. Come on, somebody. Well, I got to work. Get that child to the church. Is anybody out there that grew up like this? You may have had a parent or someone that was out and they weren't always right, but they dropped you off at church on Sunday morning. Come on. Come on. Or they dropped you off over to that aunt or that uncle that had, the, you know, the Bible with Jesus posed like this on the coffee table, the Ten Commandments on the wall. And they wouldn't let you watch certain things, listen to certain things, do certain things in their house. Come on, somebody. And so God is saying, I've still got a way to get them covered. What scares me now is there seems to be so little of that. There seems to be so little community. Come on, somebody. There seems to be so little reverent, reverential fear of God and his word, and it starts in the home. Come on, I'm, I'm running out of time here. The last point in this point was, come on, they must know. Your child needs to know. Are you all listening to me out there? They need to know how precious their life is and their life will be a blessing to someone else. That's a, that's a two-parter. First thing they need to know is how precious their life is and that their life will bless somebody else. Can I prove that to you by scripture? If you're online with me and don't mind, would somebody type Jeremiah 1 and 5? Jeremiah 1 and 5. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Listen to what, uh, and for, for, for those of us that are raised, this is a very familiar scripture. Jeremiah 1 and 5, it simply says, this is God's, God talking to the prophet, his servant. He says, listen, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. Hmm. So now, for those of us that say we believe in God, and we believe in his word and that we believe the word of God is God breathed and that we believe the word of God is timeless and inerrant. Come on. Those of us that say we believe this. Let's look at 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 this. It says in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So your child needs to know. One, that they were wanted by God and that their life is precious and that even before they had a body, God had a plan. I'm going to let that sizzle for a few seconds. Before they had a body, God already had a plan. Can I say that again? Before they had a body, God already had a plan. Do your children know this? Do your children understand this? Have you shared that with your children? Come on. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter how they, once again, how they got here. Before they had a body, God already had them in mind. 
This is not just for the prophet Jeremiah, even though the context deals with his calling, it still ties in uh, scripturally to Psalm 127 and Psalm 139, because here God is saying the same thing before I formed you, before you had a body, I had a plan. Your children are important. Their life is important. They are going to be a blessing to somebody at some point. Y'all, come on. Y'all, come on. Before I even wrap up that point, I need to flip back. I need to flip back. The word of God is good. The word of God is good. I need to flip back for a second to 139. Stay tuned. Don't drop off. Stay tuned. You need to hear this because we need to see a change in our children. And all these thoughts and prayers are great. That's great. But we need to put some action behind it. And the only way we're going to see a change is if we go back to the basics. Look at what uh, 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 Psalm 139. And I want to go to. Nope. Let me take it further. Let me take it further. Let's go to excuse me. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Excuse me. Psalm 127 verse four. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. OK, so that means they're important. Come on, somebody. How blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. He's using arrows and children as a metaphor because they are important to surround you like weapons of war. <laughs> they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. That means when children are nurtured and cultivated as they're supposed to be, they're going to be a blessing once you conceive them. They're a blessing once they cross the womb. It's a blessing to raise them, and they're going to be a, even a bigger blessing as you get old. They're going to bring joy to your name. So why would we not want to take care of, nurture, cultivate, love, speak life into the very thing, come on, that God knew before it had a body. Y'all talk to me out there. Y'all talk to me out there. Before I formed you, I'm going back to Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you, I knew you. He says, and before you were born, here it gets specific into the call of Jeremiah, but it's still applicable to your children. It's even applicable to you. Maybe mom and dad didn't know this about you, but before I before you were born, he said, I'd already consecrated you a prophet to the nations. God has already had you in mind before you had a body and he had a plan for your life to be a blessing to other people through his name. Your children serve a great purpose that are going to bring glory to God. Come on and honor to you. But if they don't know that, they'll respond based on how they ra they're raised and based on the information that we give them. Come on, somebody. And just in case they get into foolishness, the Bible says the rod of correction will drive foolishness far from the heart of a child. Y'all, come on, come on, come on, come on. I know we don't want to hear that. And I know every child, every child may not need uh, to be spanked or all of those things, but discipline can come in different forms. My children uh, were spanked ra rarely. I was spanked rarely, but when I got it, I got it, amen? But for the most part, if I were to verbally reprimand them, 
because they didn't want to disappoint their mom. They didn't want to disappoint their dad. That was enough discipline sometimes for them. Removing things that they enjoyed, taking things that they enjoyed, and, 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 and rewarding them with sleeping on the floor since you want to act as fool, you can sleep on the floor, not the bed, was discipline enough to drive the foolishness away from them. And then it gave place to the things that I had sown to come back up in them. Come on. The Bible can't lie. The Bible says if we teach them in the way that they should go, that's point number two, that they won't depart from it. Come on. Is this blessing anybody? Is this blessing anybody? I got a few more minutes. Proverbs 22 and 6. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 and 6. If someone can type that in the comments for me. Proverbs 22 and 6. Come on. Instead of y'all, and, and I'm going to say this because I love church. I love everything about the church. I love God's people. I love all of it. But some of you all, church is almost an addiction. And you are so addicted to church that you don't even make time for your children. And this is why some of them don't want to come to church because you've made church a god or an idol. Come on. In such a degree that you've put the, the gift that God has given you secondary to coming to church to get prophecy. I'll deal with that another time. 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 Come on. Proverbs 22, 6. Come on, someone type that down there for me. And this is what Proverbs 22, 6 deals with. When we talk about developing, once we tell our children who they are, we have to then develop them. And this is what Proverbs 22, 6 says. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Come on. All of you and many of you out there, especially most of you that I grew up with, there are a lot of things that we did wrong. But now that we're older, come on, what do we tell our children? How do we live our lives? We live them by the standards and the information of God that our family, our community, our pastors and deacons poured into us. And as a consequence of that, once we have our own children, we instill those same values into them. The Bible didn't say a child wouldn't act foolishly. The Bible gave us the ingredients via discipline to drive the foolishness away from them. Come on. A lot of us parents don't realize your voice carries weight in the life of your child and carries even more weight when you are speaking the word of God into your child. What are you speaking into your seed as it develops? I remember when Jordan was in her mom's stomach. I remember when Joshua was in his mom's stomach. I would talk to them in the belly. Now, my children aren't perfect. Come on. They're older adults and young adults. And I still want to, you know, put my hands on them sometime. But the core of who they are and what we instilled in them, I can still see it in them, even amongst some of the youthful foolishness that they may display. Children are going to make mistakes. Children are going to make errors. But what we have to deal with is this cantankerous uh, angry, bitter, uh, murderous, hateful, depressive, anxious demon that these children are dealing with now. And the question we have to ask ourselves is how are these spirits gaining access? 
What are you co-signing that God hates in the life of your child? Come on. Your voice carries weight, especially when you're speaking the word of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You've got to understand that your words and what you allow could be the ingredient that prevents them or enables them to do an act you couldn't even imagine. Lord help me, I'm running out of time. Next thing I want to hit, and I think I'm going to wrap it up here, is you've got to teach them respect for authority. If someone can, could type that in, respect authority. Now, I got a whole thing one day I'm going to do about the police and authority and what the Bible says about authority and the hatred and anger we have for authority and all of this stuff. Um, and the Bible didn't say you had to like the people in authority. The Bible says respect authority, teaches authority, respect those that have the authority. Now, I'm going to mess with you for a moment. A lot of the reasons why our children uh, don't respect their teachers, go ahead and flip in your Bible, if someone could, and type this Exodus 20 and 12. Exodus, the 20th chapter. I'm giving you Bible tonight. Come on. You get enough prophecy. You need some Bible. You need some Bible. We need some Bible. Exodus 20 and 12. Let me get there. Exodus 20 and verse 12. This is where respect starts. Exodus 20, 12, when it comes to our children. This is in the Ten Commandments. You guys remember those, right? It says, honor your father and your mother that your days, listen to this, may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives. So now that is still applicable for those of us that believe in Christ Jesus. We are grafted in. So this still applies to us. All right. So now if children are a gift and they are fruit and it is our job to teach them, one of the things we have to teach them is respect. And a lot of the reasons why, well, many of the reasons why our children don't respect authority is because they don't respect us. Because we never taught them to honor us. And come on, as children get older, they don't honor <laughs> what you don't live. So now, if you're not living a life that is worth being honored, they may fear you because of consequence, but they won't honor you because of your office. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. They may fear you because of consequence, but they won't honor you and your office. Can I make it plain? Children, uh, and as they get older, I don't want to set mama off. I don't want to set daddy off. But one day those children get bigger. And one day you beating them and cussing at them means nothing to them. One day they get bigger. One day they've run with the, they've run with the gang. They've been in the streets. They, they're on edge now too because they've been through a whole lot with you. And they don't honor you nor do they respect you. And so when you get angry, it no longer shakes them. And so now they'll curse in front of you. They'll curse you out because there was no honor there. 
And I'm not teaching you to beat children into submission. I am not teaching abuse. But the Bible says that the children should honor their mother and father, uh, that their days may be prolonged. Can we draw some parallels here to why children are dying? These young men uh, in these cities are dying so early. Now, the babies is a different conversation we need to we need to deal with. Right. We need to deal with that conversation. But we have to also deal with what the word of God says when it says honor your father and your mother. And if we are single parents and we're teaching, if you're a single father and you're teaching your child not to honor their mother, you're wrong. If you're a single mother and you're teaching your children not to honor their father, you're wrong. The Bible says honor them both. Because the benefit to them learning honor in the home for their parents is long life. The benefit to learning honor and respect in the home is that they will show it outside of the home. Once again, they may make foolish mistakes as children that will come with a consequence later. But by and far, the honor that you teach them in, at home will be displayed in the streets. Come on. Come on. Can I make it plain? Can I make it plain? At my house, at my house growing up where I grew up, uh, my house was the strip. My house was the crack strip. Uh, anybody that knows me or well that really knows me, you knew where I grew up. Come on. And you know what I had to deal with. Even the dope boys, when they saw my mama, they respected my mama. Not so much because they were afraid. I don't think that my father was would set it off because he would have. But they respected her. They honored her. Come on now. Didn't matter that they might have gotten jumped on by me. I'm a, that's con, that, that's, there was some type of honor that was poured into them. When they would get high, when they saw some of the women in the community, they would put their drugs up. Now we don't care. Now parents smoke the drugs with the kids. It was happening back then, too, but it's prevalent now. But there was a level of honor that was taught in the home that was shown in the street. You cannot do absent of what God says when it comes to nurturing and raising a child and not think you won't nurture uh, Damien. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. We've got to teach them respect. This starts in the home. Come on. This starts in the home. That starts in the home. I'm going to stop right there. I've reached my time.